Welcome back to In the Queue. I am Andrew, your co-host, and I think that I will never tire of watching Dustin Hoffman in any film, ever. Ever, especially when he gets naked, jumps into a pool. He wasn't naked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, I don't know what version a bathing you had. Suit. I had the NC-17 version of the film. Oh, did you? The <laughs> NC-17 version of this yeah. PG-13 it was, film? It was strange. <laughs> uh, I'm Phil, your other co-host, and I was thinking, what would I do if I knew that I was going to die? Oh, yeah. You want to know? I think, sure. Because <laughs> I, I actually came up with a, uh, something that I would, would do. What would you do? And, it, and it's not that impossible. Would you I, go find Maggie Gyllenhaal? No, I would, <laughs> I would do whatever it took to go to the Cannes Film Festival. If you had that much time, well, yeah. I mean, what if you had less time? What if, what if, what if you had a diagnosis that came immediately after can closed for the year, um, and you had six months to live? Six months. I'd probably finish the film that I'm working on and uh, go on the road across the country, showing it at different theaters and bars and things like that. You should do that, even though you're not dying. Yeah, you know that's what people always say. You know, like when your <laughs> when your professors in college is like, think about what you would do if you knew you were going to die this in the next few months, and then people would say, oh, I would do this. I'd make a film or I'd write a screenplay, and then the teacher would say, well, then why don't you just do that? Right, <laughs> right. Well, I'm glad that I could I could concur with your teachers. Uh, Thank you. Uh, the film that we're talking about today is a film called Stranger Than Fiction. It came out nine years ago in 2006 and uh, stars Will Ferrell and Emma Thompson, Dustin Hoffman, as I said, Maggie Gyllenhaal, as I said. And uh, it was directed by Mark Forster. But before we get to that, it's, uh, it's one of our listener requests. Mm. And we have that listener. You might have heard her giggling there a moment ago. <laughs> Uh, that's Katie, a longtime veteran of the show. Yes. Uh, she's been back many times. Say hi, Katie. Hello. 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 <laughs> uh, before we get into the meat of this conversation, though, uh, I'm going to tell you how to find us on the web. You can go to our website, which is www.in-the-q. That's the letter Q.com. There you can find all of our postings and a comment section wherein you can leave any kind of comments that you have as well as suggestions of movies you'd like to, us to talk about mm -hmm. if you leave a suggestion we would ask that you also come on the show and talk to us about the movie that you've suggested we would love to have you and we'll have a conversation with you about it mm. additionally you can find us on facebook at in the q q u e u e film conversations with andrew and phil and there you can also leave comments find all of our postings and find uh, sort of additional postings that we put up of videos or articles that uh, might help enhance your experience of watching any given film that we're talking about. Indeed. Lastly, you can find us on iTunes, search for In the Queue, Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil, and uh, subscribe. And you know, the, you know the deal, what happens when you subscribe to something. You get, you get every, every edition of it. Every episode. Everything that comes out, <laughs> you get. You get. So uh, so make it happen, people. Uh, yeah, so the movie that we're talking about is Stranger Than Fiction. Uh, before I give you sort of a brief summary of the film, Katie, why don't you tell us why you recommended this particular film to us? 
So I recommended this movie because I feel like a lot of people I know haven't seen it, actually. So it's a movie that's kind of great to recommend to people. Um, I remember Uh seeing this movie in theaters on Thanksgiving Day with my older brother when I was in Washington, D.C. It's actually Mm. like a very uh, visceral memory to me because we went and saw Casino Royale in theaters the night before. So sort of an interesting uh, film pairing. But I just yeah. loved it, and I've always really enjoyed Will Ferrell, and I enjoyed seeing him in something that was a little more dramatic, mm-hmm. but still, like, very whimsical. Um, and it's just kind mm-hmm. of a movie that makes you feel good, and it's a very interesting movie about storytelling in general. So if you're interested in that, or in writing a screenplay, or in creative writing at all, it's sort of an interesting take on that. Indeed. Indeed. Indeed it is. Uh, the film itself concerns uh, a character by the name of Harold Crick, which is played by Will Ferrell. Uh, And he is an IRS employee, an auditor, who is just living his day-to-day life. And uh, and that life is being narrated by Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson's lovely voice is narrating the ins and outs of his dreary existence. Until one day, he can hear that narration of his life and he becomes aware uh that there is a a writer writing his life Mm -hmm. basically and uh and so uh this writer turns out to be a famous writer who uh is responsible for writing many very successful books in which the protagonists die and uh and this becomes apparent to Harold, and uh, he has to try and uh, avert this outcome, and they, the two become aware of each other, and hijinks happen, interesting things transpire, and uh, and he has to break the mold of his life of drudgery mm-hmm. in order to uh, transcend. I think wow, that's a pretty yeah. good summary. And just on a philosophical note there. <laughs> well you know me yeah. <laughs> uh yeah yeah this movie i would say right off the, the, the bat shares some yeah. similarities with movies that we've seen before such as the truman show um yeah. where you've got a character who becomes aware that they are a player in someone else's game yeah um also it should be said that i had the idea of this exact same story back in the mid 90s when i was in high school and um, they surreptitiously stole it from me yeah. to make oh, yeah. this film. <laughs> yeah, no chance that uh, somebody else could have had that idea before. No you. chance. No well, chance. actually, my idea was that uh, about a character who can hear the, the non-diegetic music in their world. Oh, and they yeah. live in a horror film. So like, she goes to answer the door, and then the music's like, Dun! and then she hears it. She's like, whoa, wait a second. Should I really open this door? And uh, other things transpired too. So it's not exactly the same thing, but I'm still going to sue. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Good luck. Uh, I, th- I thought that was going to be your intro phrase. When, when I said that I knew what your intro phrase was going to be, I thought that's wrong. what it was going to be. I was wrong. You're right. You're right. I was wrong. Okay. Um, yeah, but it definitely has a lot in common with a movie like The Truman Show. Um, but in that partic- in this particular case, I would say that the Truman Show is a much better film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why don't you? Not, 
not to tip my hand too early. Yeah, thanks, Andy. But <laughs> uh, this is, I mean, this is a very, it's a fun film. It's an interesting film. And I think that there are several very, very good performances in it. But overall, I I found it to be lacking. Mm. Um, I, I thought that it was uh, a little, little trite, maybe. Um, a little bit too self-satisfied with its own premise. Uh, and I, I, I think that the, the biggest failing is the script itself, mm-hmm. um, which I think uh, it, it seems a little childish or oversimplified. And I don't know whether that's just the, the nature of the, the screenplay that was written or whether it's the way that it was carried off. But I think that, I think that it, uh, it tries to deal with something pretty philosophically heavy and comes up short. Mm. Well, in defense of the film, which I really liked, mm-hmm. uh, whenever you got such a high concept such as you do in this film, it's yeah. it's impossible to completely realize or, or fully realize all the possibilities that are connected to such a high concept. Um, well, I'm not saying that they need to realize all of the possibilities, but I think the, the particular example that you bring up, The Truman Show, does a spectacular job of realizing almost everything. <laughs> that it needs to about human life or the human condition and predetermination and, you know, man's relationship with God and all these different things uh-huh. that I, I feel like this movie glosses over in favor of just doing a very straightforward telling of the story, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think that there's a problem with just telling the story necessarily, but I think that, uh, I think that it thinks it's a little more philosophically engaged than it actually is. Interesting. I, I feel like that's kind of the whole, almost the whole premise of the movie. Because I feel, I feel the same way about the script, Andrew, where there's a part of me at the end of the movie that's sort of like, almost every time feels a little bit let down. But I also right. feel like that's sort of the nature of the story that's being told. In that, you know, Emma Thompson is writing this this novel, and she has this marvelous story, and she ends up having this great ending that ends with Harold's death and but spoiler alert for anybody I was going to say I was just about to say spoiler alert but like you know it ends up being I'm saying spoiler alert again um, but you know there's the whole scene between her and Dustin Hoffman where he was like it's an okay ending when she changes the ending because she changes it from being this death that means something to you know him sort of just getting like critically injured and right you know it's right. because she says you know isn't you know the story of harold crick was supposed to be a story about a man who doesn't know that he's going to die and that's what makes it great but then harold crick is a real man and he knows he's going to die and he faces his death willingly and is not the kind of person you want to stay alive so it's sort of the nature of like the grandiose grandiose nature of creative writing and these endings that we can create for characters ourselves that satisfy that philosophical need versus you know a real person who's living a real life and allowing them to sort of live that simple life like the whole movie like we should just throw truman show out the window as an example <laughs> to compare to this because this movie has like much smaller i feel like it has much smaller like ideals yeah exactly yeah and it's about a man who's living a simple life who meets a woman and she's different from anyone he's ever known and he 
you know, decides that he's interested in her and he just wants to be with her. That's kind of like as dramatic as it gets for him is that he wants to live his life in a way that, you know, is more satisfactory than what he's had or living his dreams a little more closely than, um, than he's experienced before than a person who's, you know, counting the brushstrokes of their teeth. And now I, I regret bringing up the Truman Show, and I hope you guys will forgive me. <laughs> okay. I, I hope mean, you like, will forgive me. It makes sense. We, we will forgive but, you. Um, but, but the thing about Stranger Than Fiction that is different in a dramatic way is is uh, my very last comparison to the Truman Show will be this. Um, Truman, he, he wants to escape, but he's not sort of um, on a severe time crunch, whereas Harold Crick is, knows that he's going to die. Mm-hmm. Um and he, he it's it's an, a, a very sort of existential awareness that he's going to die. He doesn't know exactly what form it will take, but yeah, but he decides to do these very human things, like reach out to another human being, to a beautiful woman, and and one thing that I really like about the movie is that it straddles at least four genres very elegantly, mm-hmm. because you've got a film that's that's a comedy, a drama, a fantasy, and a romance all in one. And it never feels lopsided or contrived. It all seems very kind of organic, as if all these different story threads belong together. And right. Will Ferrell holds it together beautifully. It's a great performance. Mm-hmm. And the film is full of great performances, too. Um, and I just thought it was, it was, as you said, Katie, the stakes are different. Maybe not lower, but they're different from other films. Well, and I think... Yeah, Sorry. go ahead. I was just going to say, you, you know, like in the Truman Show, going back to the Truman Show, <laughs> um, which I threw out the window. Um, you know, Truman's whole idea is that he wants to escape, whereas with Harold in the movie, it's like he doesn't realize that there's anything more to crave until he starts hearing the narration. That he doesn't realize that there's really anything more that his life could be until he starts hearing Emma Thompson's voice and hears her say, you know, little did he know that he has, you know, however many days to live. And that mm-hmm. it's not until he realizes, you know, oh, my life is under this time crunch that he thinks that there's anything to escape from or anything more to expect from life than what he's already experienced. Do you guys not find that to be in some ways a very sort of staid concept? Like like the the whole idea like, oh, you've got a short amount of time left to live, better live it. It's like, it's like the bucket list, you know, which is a movie that I hate. (laughs) I, I, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, better go skydiving Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson going crazy. But I mean, haven't you ever Um, had like, haven't you ever had like a week at work that just gets away from you where you get to the end of your work week and you think to yourself, I really have no idea where the, where the week went. I think that I sure. feel like Harold's I feel like Harold's experience is one that like I can definitely relate to where especially if I was the kind of person who didn't have any social expectations or any kind of like emotional connections to people in my life where it's sort of like I can understand the feeling of like your life getting away from you but then having the realization of like oh I haven't actually lived any of my life like I've just been going about my well, day I think so I don't resent know... it for having kind of a trite like you know, basis yeah. or, yeah, you know. yeah. I think, Andrew, when you put it that way, it sounds terrible. Uh, <laughs> comparing it, it to the bucket list. list, it makes it sound like <laughs> how, how can we not agree with you when you put it in those? <laughs> <laughs> That's the very worst example anyone could think of of a movie like this. 
But the thing is, it's not about jumping out of airplanes or whatever they do in that film, which I haven't seen. It's oh, it's, seen it. it's smaller yeah, things like fine. learning, finally picking up the guitar, or learning how to play the guitar, or or the great scene when he brings the baker some flowers, you know. And it took oh, me a while yeah. to realize what he was talking about, but uh, yeah. it's about There's more like, like more um, you know livable things that aren't about like vicarious thrills by watching two 75 year old men drive a race car or parachute out of an airplane. <laughs> you know, it's, it's more about like, Hey, I really like Will Ferrell in this movie. And I really like this transformation that he's undergoing. Well, I have, I have to say that when, when you said, you know, the performances were all really great in this film, I, I completely agree with you on that. I think that, uh, especially, uh, Dustin Hoffman, mm-hmm. Emma Thompson, and Maggie Gyllenhaal are all spectacularly good in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, Emma Thompson, as per usual, is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like just uh, there, there's a the scene when she first discovers Harold, sees him for the first time, like in the flesh, mm-hmm. because the, she's been narrating his life, but he exists. You know, uh, it, it's just such a masterful performance it's just so beautiful it's so wonderful and there are moments like that in the film throughout that i found to be incredibly uh interesting and, and engaging and and fun but um but at the same time you know there would be a, a a scene like there's a scene between harold and, and dustin hoffman who plays his professor um and uh and Harold is recounting the narration that he had overheard that was narrating his life. And he mentions this, uh, this whole phrase, um, that is used, which is, uh, little did uh, he know, little little did he know, know, right. Little did he know that such and such, you know, his imminent death was upon him or whatever it was. And, uh, and then the, the screenplay, the words that come out of Dustin Hoffman's mouth is literally, he's like, little did he know. Little did I did a whole paper on little did he know. And I was just like, oh, God. Like, it just, it felt so brilliant. So, Is that what you're going to so say? Forced. So forced. <laughs> so absolutely forced. Like, oh, we got to get, we got to get his attention. He needs to be a part of the plot so that he can talk to this guy about, you know, literary conventions. And, so you're saying that the you know, movie didn't manipulate you very well. I would say hardly at all. I would say that it was transparent manipulation. It, it it's not like a good film where you know the the manipulation happens and you don't feel it happening. Or if you do feel it happening, it's thrilling, right? In this I was like, I can see the strings and they look like pretty ratty strings." Mm. Well, I don't know if that may be because you are a movie insider mm-hmm. compared to maybe somebody else, but I, I I guess I'm a movie insider as well, and I thought that that scene was interesting because it just upped the ante of of the plot. Um, yeah, because and like he's a community college professor too. I mean, we do have to take that into account. He says he teaches a course on little did he know. You know, I mean, like the idea of like the third person omniscient, like v- narrative voice to being like, oh well, you know, like from the four. Sh- shadowing aspect and sorry phil i didn't mean to cut you off but no 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 that's fine um <laughs> no yeah i i and i understand that but for him to go from being like well you're hearing voices you might be kind of crazy 
to him just saying the phrase "little did he know" and that changing this guy's mind, it just seemed implausible. But it, to me. it, it didn't changed seem... his mind because he had a connection to that phrase that he'd written about mm. it. And I understand. I understand what you're saying, but it's like he didn't. He he would just been having a more than just like a connection to the phrase or lack of connection to the phrase. He had a conversation where he was talking about whether the person was mentally capable or whether he needed, you know, yeah. like well, and some of the it, it, writing, it wasn't some of the writing is kind of plotting. Like it does kind of, it feels a little clunky, but then like that whole sequence leads leads to the very funny sequence in the movie of him saying, well, you have to figure out if you're in a comedy or a tragedy and right, the whole thing right. with Will Ferrell with his like tiny notebook trying to figure out if he's in a comedy or a tragedy with his tally marks based on like what's right. happening in his day. Well, you know, we can't we're we we are at an impasse trying to argue about like <laughs> if you like a certain plot point or not. There's no way to to reach any kind of consensus. If you I, I'm just something. saying that that's representative of the kind of. Uh, dialogue in the film. As I said, the the only major problem I have with this film, it's not the way that it's constructed. Yeah. It's not the way that it's directed. Uh, I don't think it's not really, it's definitely not with the performances. I think it's fundamentally the way that the script is written. I found it to be uh, very, uh, everything was a, a little too cute by half. Mm -hmm. Everything was a little bit on the nose and, 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 and really it felt very, uh, it felt like a cocky screenplay felt like it was very sure of itself like it, it was it had great ideas to impart and i was like you got some okay like it felt like it was written by somebody in high school i was gonna say like some grad students <laughs> yeah well i have to confess i actually wrote it when i was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> i knew it i knew it I, I, I stole my idea i actually wrote it well can we talk about will ferrell a little bit and will ferrell's sure. performance sure. um i think the scene between Will Ferrell and Maggie Gyllenhaal when he's at her house. So Will Ferrell shows up to Maggie Gyllenhaal's house after he's been um, auditing her for the IRS. And yeah, he shows yeah. up with a box full of things in paper bags. And she's like, what is this tax man? Or whatever she says to him. <laughs> and he says, I brought you flowers, which is probably the cutest pun that's ever happened in a movie that yeah, I've ever seen. She's a, because she's a she's baker. baker. For, yeah. And so he brought her different kinds of flowers. Um, and she says, you know, what, what do you want or whatever? And he says, you know, I want you. And she says, you want me? And he says, in no uncertain terms, which is a fantastic romantic comedy line. Um, it is. And I, I, see a lot of romantic comedies. <laughs> I just want to say also what, to the credit of the screenplay is that she doesn't miss a beat when he says, I brought you flowers. She doesn't react at all. She doesn't mm -hmm. like go, oh, you brought me flowers she just says you brought me flowers and then they move on from there mm -hmm. and it's it's a it's a smart scene yeah and and i think my favorite scene my favorite scene in the movie which might be one of my favorite scenes in a movie and like you said phil this movie has sort of contains many genres within it but uh -huh. like in terms of being like a romantic comedy or anything like that the scene where she invites him up to her apartment and she cooks them dinner and then he sits down and she asks him if he he sees a guitar and she asks him if he yeah. plays and he says I only know one song because it only has two chords in it and she's like in the kitchen cleaning off the dishes and he starts playing the Reckless Eric song Whole yeah. Wide World which I think is a song that every girl would ever want to hear a dude play for her and then <laughs> she like comes out and they start making out and he's like 
did you change your mind? And she's like, I want you to. And it's just like so cute and so perfect, you know, and that he's sitting there playing this song with his eyes closed and she's just watching him. I, I, just, I have to, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I have to confess fine. that scene gave me mega chills. Like when they, <laughs> when they first like embrace and then the actual song <laughs> in on the soundtrack, like the non-diegetic sound. And I love that song. I've known about that song for 20 years. But uh, I'd never actually seen it in a film. And when it starts, like, kicking in full blast and they finally kiss, like, I was having, like, I was having, like, non-sexual orgasms all over my body. Like, <laughs> my skin was, like, prickling and shivering. And it was it was religious, I'm telling you. Wow. It was, like, no, it was so moving for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I did not have that experience. However, I think that... I, I do think it was a good scene, and I do think that actually almost every scene between the two of them are yes. probably the highlights of the film. Um, Maggie Gyllenhaal is an actress that I consistently try to tell myself I don't like that much, and then I see her in stuff, and then I'm like, ah, oh, man, right? She's really good. Something about <laughs> her, yeah, I know what you mean. I have kind of a push push pull relationship with Maggie Gyllenhaal's. Yeah, voices. sometimes she seems a little like oh, like she seems. It seems like you can you can see the wheels turning. Like there's yeah. acting going on, uh, but then other times she's just so engaging and so charming and so wonderful to watch. And the, this is one of those movies yeah. where it's and they had like just such a delightful her. amount of chemistry, like like the little bit of animosity and like her being so anti-government and everything feels feels a little affected, which I right. think works perfectly. And then I think I mean they have such wonderful like kind of subtle chemistry and Mm -hmm. then the scene i think my like one of the best scenes in the movie is when he wakes up the morning that he knows he's going to die and he like rolls over and it's like i have to tell you something and she's like half asleep and he's like all of the like the thing he has to tell her is that all of the food she gives away to homeless people is tax deductible. (laughs) Like that's like the big thing he needs to tell her before he dies. I just feel like Will Ferrell gives such a like wonderful nuanced performance in this movie. And I feel like even in his like ridiculous comedies, he's the same way. And this is one of those movies I come to when people are like, Oh, I don't like Will Ferrell. Cause first of all, I don't generally, I don't have a, lot to say to people who immediately are like oh i hate will ferrell's comedies and i'm like cool we don't have anything to talk about <laughs> um but he just he just so embodies the idea of harold crick and this like very simple person who's like not very demanding who sort of has like very few things he really wants from life to feel like he's living his life and i just i just love will ferrell in this movie i just love will ferrell in everything but i feel like he's particularly like nuanced in this movie in a way that just makes it feel like very gentle but like very meaningful i i will say that i enjoyed him more in this film than i generally do in films not i'm not a i'm i'm not by any stretch of the imagination, anti Will Ferrell. Good. I just think that he doesn't. I don't think he can carry movies particularly well. Mm-hmm. I think he, when he's in bit parts, he's genius. Yeah. And I think that as a a sketch comedian, I you can't get a whole lot better. I mean, he's <laughs> he's just absolutely brilliant. And I think that that's why he works so well in bit parts. I tend not to love uh, his his starring roles like mm-hmm. carrying movies i don't think is his strength mm-hmm. but in this film it, it does kind of work uh i i will say that i think that he's the weak link in the in the acting performances um in the film and all of the really? leads um i do i do and not because 
I, I feel like he is, he's very, uh, he, he does definitely embody this character and it is something that's different than what we've seen. But I also feel like there's not a lot of, uh, in some, in some of the scenes, especially in the ones where he's up against Maggie Gyllenhaal or up against Emma Thompson or up against Dustin Hoffman, I feel like it, there's such a, a, a distance of, um, empathy and understanding in their performance that and and maybe that's you could say that that's the character i'm sure but i i think it's more than that and i there's something there that i i I don't think quite hits the mark and i do think he's good and i do think that this is probably of his starring vehicles the best that i've seen um except for maybe elf which is pretty delightful in its own way um but uh, but that plays more to his strengths. This actually sort of tests him well, a little bit more. This, yeah. this requires more of him. He's mm-hmm. venturing into the same territory that Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler and even Tom Hanks went into when they were right. breaking away from their comedic roles, their comedic persona. Right. I don't think this is going to lead to the same career highs that you know Tom Hanks got from well, got, yeah. from becoming a d- dramatic actor. But I don't know if Will Ferrell will make another dramatic film, but... I think that he, you know, I'm not not quite sure. I I'm on the same page with you, Andrew, about your reasons for for not digging his performance completely, but I think that he is still very much playing a Will Ferrell character. It's just that it's more grounded. It's more realistic. He's still mm-hmm. kind of like this guy who is, who is, you know, the the butt of life, the butt of a joke, the butt of you know, of misfortune. Right. Um, but, uh, but I personally, I found him to be charming and, and that's, that's kind of overall how I see the film. It's, it's, it's a charming tale and uh, it's the, it's a high concept idea that, you know, is not as explored as it could be, but, but sort of, it's just an interesting enough premise to sustain, you know, a, uh, an original two-hour film, mm. right, right. And, yeah, and I, well, I will say also that I think the only reason Dustin Hoffman is in this is because of I Heart Huckabees. <laughs> is that you really think so? That and his rippling physique <laughs> <laughs> when he dives into that hey, pool. I, I'm. I mean, uh, we were Phil and I were talking just before the podcast started about. Dustin Hoffman and how he's never really slowed down and he's always sort of keeps taking interesting and different kind of roles and he always gives it his all. Um, I, I love watching him. I remember seeing him in Finding Neverland, which is also directed by Mark Forster. Right. Uh, and thinking, golly, man, <laughs> Dustin Hoffman's still killing it. <laughs> you know? yeah, I mean, he still makes like what, like Little Fockers or, or Meet the Fockers or whatever Fokker. Yeah, Fokker. sure. But then he'll be in a movie like Perfume, which you know, is a Tom Tegfer film that nobody saw. I forgot he was in that. Yeah. He was like the, the elder the, perfumier yeah. or whatever. Oh, yeah. That movie's, I, I that. actually, that movie's amazing. I made movie's a list of, of the, the top five male actors of the seventies, which is a fascinating decade for me. Of um, and for me, the, in, in order of importance, the top five actors who emerged in the seventies, who, who came to prominence in the seventies are Jack Nicholson, Robert uh-huh. De Niro, Dustin yeah. Hoffman, 
Al Pacino and Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman at the top of the list is what you're saying. Oh, He's number one. No, I, I meant the, uh, He's the opposite. Number five. Other, oh, other way around. Jack Nicholson's okay. uh, number one? Yeah, I think so. I think that if you take a look at their total output in their careers, but then also look at this the 70s in particular, it, those are the standouts. Mm-hmm. And and Dustin Hoffman, I think, yeah. still is one of those one of those few five who still is uh, sort of taking chances. I mean, Gene Hackman, I think, is totally retired from. He's like, retired from acting. Al Pacino and Robert De Niro tend to make movies where like they just the sort intern. of are typecast as themselves. Although, to be fair, yeah, like the intern, the new oh Nancy God. Myers movie. I'm totally going to see that. <laughs> I don't know if I can deal with it. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we might have to watch it if it's the only thing that comes out on one of these weekends coming up. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, <laughs> but uh, but no, the um, uh, Al Pacino and, and Robert De Niro have started doing more interesting work recently. But they had between like about 1997 or so and and the last five years, they weren't really doing good work. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert De Niro, of course, in David O. Russell's films, has sort of found a, a second renaissance here. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Al Pacino has been doing interesting movies like the one we just reviewed, Manglehorn, and uh, mm-hmm. Danny Collins, where he's still turning in excellent performances, even if uh, if people tend to deride him for his performance style. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Gene Hackman's out of the picture. Jack Nicholson hasn't made you know any great films since, as we were saying about Schmidt, probably as the last great film that he made. Yeah, and he's um, in movies. Period. He's not making very many of them. Yeah. He hardly makes them at all. So, yeah, the only one that's still chugging along out of that list of five is Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. (laughs) So, good job, Dustin. You you survived them all. I did appreciate that this movie had an incredibly small cast. Like, it didn't have, like, it had a very, like, sort of intimate cast. There is one person who's in this cast, though, who I had almost completely forgotten was in it because their character feels so incidental and almost unnecessary. And that is Queen Latifah, who I had, who plays like the, what is she? Is she like a temp or like, uh, she's she's an assistant. She's an assistant assistant. that gets sent in to help Emma Thompson finish. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause the publishers want her to finish the book because she's under contract. And yeah. So Queen Latifah shows up to sort of prod her into that. I was actually thinking about her. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say quickly that, um, Queen Latifah, sort of fulfills the destiny of Emma Thompson in the same way that Maggie Gyllenhaal fulfills Will Ferrell's destiny. They have similar kind of symbiotic relationship, those two pairs. I actually was observing that as I was watching the film. As you were giving that intro to Queen Latifah, Katie, I thought you were going to say Tony Hale. (laughs) But I love Tony Hale in this movie. I do too, actually. I thought he was great. That I thought whole, he was great. That whole scene with him and Will Ferrell in like the basement of the IRS building. And he yeah, was like, yeah. Can't you hear it when he puts the folder into the box? Yeah. And he's like, he's like, this. Can't here's a banker, it? and here is. He's uh, <laughs> like, can't you hear investment the of a, professional or whatever? Did you he's you like, hear the sound of a You better take the oceans. banker. <laughs> Did you guys recognize Tom Hulse and Linda Hunt in their respective roles? No. What? Do you know? Oh, you didn't know that was Tom Hulse? I didn't recognize him. Who was he? Tom Hulse was the human resources, like hippy dippy guy that that Harold Crick goes to see. 
Um, yeah. No, I totally did not put that together. Yes. And Linda Hunt was the psychologist that he sees. She looks wow. more like Linda Hunt, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 I knew, but Tom Hulse. Yeah, I did not recognize him. Crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that concludes our discussion of Stranger Than Fiction. I was a little lukewarm on it, although I'm tre- tending towards liking it simply because the performances were good and it's well directed and it's fun. Like it's a fun and interesting movie to watch. Um, with my reservations being primarily script related. Well, I like the film more than Andrew. Um, I recommend it to anybody. I thought it was uh, a nice film, good film. It was original and it held my interest and I was invested in everything. So I don't have any caveats. So I would give it thumbs up. And we know how Katie feels about it. (laughs) I obviously (laughs) hated it and that's why I recommended it. (laughs) Right, right, right. Uh, although, to be fair, to our audience, if you really, really hate a movie, we would love to discuss that with I've, you. I've already started adding those to my list for yeah, you future have. times. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show again, Katie. It's always a pleasure to have you. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And please join us for our next episode when we talk about the new documentary, The Wolf Pack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is about a group of young men who never left their New York apartment for their whole lives and had to learn about the outside world through movies as their primary reference point. It's so that should be unbelievable, but it's a documentary. So I guess it's, it's a, yeah, yeah, it's a true story or so it seems. So uh, please join us for that episode and we will catch you next time. Have a good one.